Father, we're thankful again for the opportunity. Thank you for the weather. And we thank you for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you will guide and direct us according to your promise. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All righty, we'll do a little bit of a review from yesterday and about the light that is now shining. And um, we, we noticed that the book of Revelation is bathed in grace. It begins with grace and it ends with grace. But you had the bookends of grace. And, uh, and then uh, we talked about, uh, we read through chapter 14, 9 through 12 and Revelation 8, 18, 1 through 4 and went from there. We noticed that the, both the third and the fourth angel, that fourth angel is the message of eight, uh, chapter 18. Uh, communications from heaven about justification by faith and liberty of conscience. Uh, and then we looked at uh, God's method of uh, justification. Number one, by his grace through the death of Christ. And we believe in him alone, in Christ alone. And then the evidences of that are uh, obedience to all the commandments of God. And we summed it up in we're justified in Christ. And uh, we cannot separate it from him. He is our justification. If we possess him, we possess justification and sanctification and all, everything. And we looked at this in the book of Revelation that looked at the, um, the book from a standpoint of, of the sanctuary framework and how that um, you have the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven heads, and each one took, uh, takes us so far, and then the next one that comes along takes us a little farther, and all the way through the last one, the seven heads we looked at from chapter 12, and that goes all the way through the millennium to the end of the, the, end of the millennium when, when everything is uh, taken care of. Uh, then we also looked, well, this is a statement, had the line of prophecy in which these symbols are found, and that's the symbols both in chapter 13 and 12. The dragon, the beast, the mark of the beast, all of these are, but that's in that line of prophecy from chapter 12. That's the reason I, I called it the seven heads <laughs> to, in harmony with the seven churches, the seven trumpets, seven, that, that type of thing, seven seals. And uh, we noticed the, the um, light that was shining from 31 AD, the first apartment, that's where the light was. In 1844, the light began to shine brightly uh, from there, and we st- we're still there. It's from the Holy of Holies, there goes on the grand work of instruction. The angels of God are communicating with men. Christ officiates in the sanctuary. We do not follow him into the sanctuary as we should. Christ and angels work in the hearts of the children of men. And then we notice that the, the light shining in the first apartment, especially Protestantism, the message that Luther brought out, starting with him, and uh, <clears throat> that's where the light was. Then in 1888, the remnant Protestant movement that includes you and me, <laughs> that's where the light comes. We get our light from the second apartment. That, doesn't, that does not mean we deny what happened in the first apartment. The work of Christ uh, was simply carried on into the second apartment, but an additional work what had to do with the cleansing of the sanctuary. Yes? Yeah, you say we don't enter into the sanctuary as we should. Uh, no. A clarification there a little bit. So I, I got an idea what it means. All right. Well, go. well, it's in 1844. There were people that that went by faith. You don't go in physically, but uh, Christ represents us. But we follow Him by faith, and that's how we enter into in, His. In the most holy place. Too. In the most. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Most that's holy place. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, that's the light that's shining now, both uh, Revelation 14, 12, the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So we don't sell in the uh, holy place anymore because Christ is in the most holy so Right. We need to enter into faith. That's the overcoming, too. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the faith, of, faith of Christ. We'll get into this because we're going to be looking at justification by faith in from the most holy uh, part. And uh, we'll see that as we go on. But uh, uh, we talked about the latter rain coming with ten times the power. Um, uh, as uh, the midnight cry, which was in 1843. And uh, uh, again, the Protestant re- uh, reformers and the remnant Protestant reformers. And here, as uh, I think this is about where we'll be beginning, I think. As the train of his glory filled the temple, light from the Holy of Holies was shed upon the waiting people on earth. That's uh, volume four of uh, um, Spirit of Prophecy, 273. Uh, men sought to close the door which God had opened. And this is a door that goes from, from uh, Philadelphia, the Church of Philadelphia, into Laodicea. And there was some, we don't know, we're not, we're not, we don't want to go there. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I think God did this especially. Uh, they seek to shut that door that he has closed, and they try to open it that he has not opened. You know? So I think I've got a statement on this. Um, men sought to close the door which God had opened, and to open the door which he had closed. But he that openeth, this is a statement from Revelation 3, uh, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, no man openeth, had declared, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. But there's a dealing with going into the second apartment of Christ's work. Yes? I was just thinking of a, a text that was in Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, when I read it, I'm thinking, this is, this is referring to the time just before 1844, but I'm not sure... If, if this is the way it's perceived by everybody else, I'm uh-huh. sure. But it says in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 8, it says, The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed, while the outer tabernacle is still standing. Now, this may be actually referring to um, Christ going from Actually, the, what is the, uh, in, in Hebrews, the one you're reading, uh, the word is, it's in the plural, holies. So uh, it, it entakes everything. But do you have verse 23, I think, of chapter chapter 9? Yeah. Can you read that for us? Therefore it is necessary for the copies of the things in heaven, in the heavens, to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. That is the second apartment ministry of Christ. That's, there's a transition uh, in, the, in the chapter. And that's the cleansing of the sanctuary, cleansing of the record. But that is, does not take place apart from us. The cleansing, right? This is where God wants the court uh, uh, take or, take take the mind and change this. Yeah. Well, in verse nine, it, it indicates that this is referring to uh, a, a sequence of time. Yes. It says that yep. the symbol of the present. This is a which is a symbol of the present time. Mm-hmm. So in other words, yeah. this, the, the sanctuary is referring to a sequence of time. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I would say starting in 31 A.D. when Christ entered into heaven, because this this threw the Jewish believers off, even even the disciples. And uh, you remember when as they were when Christ was ascending to heaven in Acts chapter one, uh, they were still thinking that he was going to establish the kingdom here on earth, 
And he says, I will come as I have gone. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but it was after that, Pentecost. Pentecost was the anointing of Christ in heaven. Uh, when, when that ceremony, it took, I think, about 10 days. When uh, it was inauguration as high priest in heavenly sanctuary. When it was finished, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the, on the waiting disciples. And that caused their minds to uh, be fastened of Christ, and Christ in that Did first apartment. Look at the most holy place then? No, just no, the holy place. This is where Christ was. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving, my mind is moving forward to, to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and why we're reigning. Yes. What does that symbolize in terms of if that, well, in terms of Christ being anointed in heaven mm-hmm. as a high priest? What, what is that? Well, similar to that. Yeah. The, well, I would say the, uh, there may have been a ceremony. We're not told. There may have been a ceremony when he tra- passed from the first apartment into the second apartment where we work. We don't, there, you don't see that in, in the Bible, or in the Old Testament at least. Um, it was simply the Day of Atonement. But people were, um, they fasted, they put on sackcloth, they laid aside everything they, they had that was, uh, you know, potent, may not even be opposed to God, but anything that would hinder them. And... Uh, and then that, but the Day of Atonement, the what we call the antitypical Day of Atonement, began in 1844, and when and the the thoughts of God's people were directed there, and that began the time of the latter rain. It did not fall then, but when the latter rain comes, it's going to, we're going to have a double dose. We have the former rain, and then a, a, a tremendous increase of power by the Holy Spirit. In the, in the latter rain. Same, same Holy Spirit, just figures of, of, the, of the Spirit. That was the gifts of the Spirit will come back in a more holy Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyhow, let's see. Uh, let me read. Christ had opened the door of ministration. And this is what it means when it talks about the door. It may not be a literal door as we understand it, but it has to do with his ministration from the first apartment into the second apartment. Yeah. And uh, light was shining from that open door of the sanctuary in heaven. And the fourth commandment was shown to be included in the law, which is there enshrined, that God had established no man can overthrow. Great Controversy 435. So the door in heaven was the entrance of Christ into the most holy place for his administration there. On earth, it was a change from Philadelphia to Laodicea. And uh, there were people on earth who were trying to shut that door. They didn't want to go into uh, the judgment. They, so many of them were accepting the sanctuary to a degree. But when, they, when the law was discovered, they said, well, if the law is in heaven, then the, the fourth commandment must be there. <laughs> and that's when they began to back away. And they didn't want any. And the same argument is today uh, of those who oppose the sanctuary message that um, they don't want to look into that second apartment because they, they know the, the Sabbath is there. Well, the Ten Commandments and thus the Sabbath. But, uh, mm-hmm. So anyhow. Um, Are you saying that's why they deny the sanctuary in heaven? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Protestants in general. Yeah. And you've got uh, now Seventh-day Adventists are saying that, uh, you know, it's fabricated, that type of thing, you know, but there's a dangerous ground. Uh, we'll, we'll see this. I've heard that uh, from different sources, I don't know if it's true or not, that uh, many believe they're going to find the, uh, that physical ark. Oh, yeah, I know. No, I, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, I'm going to say this. They're not going to find it. Well, I'll t- I know that there were a, a group of men that went to, um, we, were, we were working in uh, Jordan one summer, 
an archaeological dig. No. The next summer, I think it was the next summer. He was there? Oh, yes. Uh, Larry Garrity was coming. He was in charge of the dig. He was coming to the airplane to come back to the States to prepare uh, more for coming to, to Amman, Jordan. And while he was coming on, there were a group of men with television cameras, all kinds of recorders. And he said, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're gonna, we know where the ark is. We're going to find it, and, 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 and it'll go to all the world. The law is in that, in that cave. And he pled with them. He said, please don't do this, because there was an international crisis between uh, Jordan and uh, Israel at the time. And he said, if you do that, chances are this is going to blow up and Israel is going to come in and slaughter these people. He said, please don't do it. Okay, they said, we won't do it. But they went to the mountain where they thought the uh, ark was and they got to the, got to the cave and it was cemented shut. <clears throat> and then uh, there was military people that were stationed to keep people from going. One of our men sneaked around him somehow and got to the cave, and that's when they found it was cemented shut. But they caught him, and they shut down everything we were doing uh, in Jordan at the time. And I told that man before he went. He said, he said that uh, they were going to find uh, uh, Noah's Ark. And I said, I hope, and there were Adventists put a million dollars into a search a few years before. And I said, I hope you don't put a million dollars down the rat hole like the other Adventists are trying to find that. I said, it doesn't matter if you find the, the Ark of Noah or the Ark of the Covenant, people will set up a lemon stand and, sit, and, and give tickets. You know? so, yeah, this, it will not, this will not convert anyone. It might, if it, ha if it would happen, it might be excited, but it's not going to convert. It, you know, it's, it's uh, only Christ and the Holy Spirit can convert. remember why I say that, Jerry, the testimony of Miller when he revealed that land was going to be in prophecy. And it happened, the atheists got on board and everything. So, you know, that's what I was looking at. But then, yeah. why would you want a lot of atheists on board to just bail out anyway when it don't go through? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, now, I want to, uh, so we, we passed from the Reformation, <laughs> first apartment, and the beginning of the, work of the cleansing of the sanctuary in the heavenly sanctuary. Justification by faith in an end time setting. It's no longer, oh, it's the same, same in principle, but here it deals with a cleansing aspect. This is part of justification. Um, it's not something separate from that. And uh, um, justification by faith in the end time setting. Daniel 8:14. He said unto me, Unto 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And there's a lot of discussion on the word, what does the word cleanse mean? You can look to scripture and find uh, number, uh, cleanse here in Daniel 8.14. It means to turn to righteousness in chapter 12, verse 3. Uh, same word. Uh, there are different endings and that type of thing. And then it's, uh, Job uh, talks about, uses the word vindicate. It's the same, same work of justification. Uh, Genesis 44, to clear. In a, it's in a legal situation. It's opposite of condemnation in Job 4.8. And then Isaiah 43.26, uh, the, the word is used uh, acquitted. And then also to justify a couple of times in Isaiah. Same, same group, word group. And I've got some of them here. This is Daniel 12.3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who turn and the, those who turn and to righteousness is one word. <laughs> And it's, uh, it's what you call, it's a participle, a plural, but it, that's, what it's, that's what it means. 
And uh, then we have in Isaiah 43, put in me, me in remembrance, let us contend together, state your case that you may be acquitted. And then uh, 45, 25, in the Lord all the descendants of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. And then 53, 11, we shall see, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So this is centered in Christ, the, the cleansing of the sanctuary. When Christ comes in by his Holy Spirit, he begins a cleansing process. It's not instantaneous. We need to learn how to, how to say no to things of the world and yes to God's way. And it takes time. Uh, I think it's, uh, I would take vindicate. Because Satan has always said there's no way we can't walk without sin. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's, it's a vindication of Christ and not yeah, and that's mainly what it is, yes. I studied that passage, Isaiah 43, 26. Mm-hmm. And the New King James says, state your case, but it doesn't say that in the original. No. Uh, it's number yourself or present yourself. Yeah. It doesn't actually mean to state your case. We can't state yeah. our case before God. So right, yeah. yeah. Well, there, there are a couple of places, though, in Isaiah. In chapter 1, he calls the mountains and, and things to testify. And it looks like it's a legal setting. Uh, yeah. Or a court, a court, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so, yeah. But yeah, um, but anyhow, it's uh, uh, yeah. Um, that w- well, that was in the other one, forty-five. Now, at the termination of twenty-three prophetic days in eighteen forty-four, Christ changed his ministration from the holy to the most holy place. When in the earthly sanctuary, the high priest on the day of atonement entered the most holy place. The door of the holy place was closed and the door of the Most Holy was opened. Again, it's using language that help us to understand, but it's dealing with ministration, because there was no door in the earthly sanctuary. It was a gate, but made of cloth. Um, so when Christ passed from the Holy to the Most Holy of the heavenly sanctuary, the door or ministration of the former apartment was closed, and the door or administration of the latter was opened. Christ had ended one part of his work as our intercessor, to enter upon another portion of the work, and he still presents his blood before the Father in behalf of sinners. Behold, he declares, I have set before thee an open door, and no one, no man can shut it. Again, 4 SB 268. Now, here, we're going to get in some things here. God, who reads the hearts of all, brought to the test uh, those who claim to love Christ. They profess to feel. All heaven watched in the deepest interest, with deepest interest, the reception of the first angel's message. See, this would be in 1840, in that period of time. Many who professed to love Jesus and who had shed tears as they read the story of the cross denied the good news of his coming, the second coming. Didn't, didn't want to hear it. Instead of receiving the message with gladness, they declared it to be a delusion. They hated those who loved his appearing and shut them out of the churches. Those who rejected the first message could not be benefited by the second. Neither were they benefited by the midnight cry. That would be 1843, the one date that they missed, which was to prepare them to enter with Jesus by faith into the holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. By rejecting the two former messages, they have so darkened their understanding that they can see no light in the third angel's message, which shows the way into the most holy place. 
in his early writings, 261 and 262. Now, here it gets very interesting, because I think this is going on today. We'll see. Those who rose up with Jesus, and this is when he went into the second apartment, would send up their faith to him in the holiest and pray, My Father, give us thy spirit. Then Jesus would breathe upon them the Holy Ghost. In that breath was light, power, and much love, joy, and peace. I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne, and this would be the first apartment imagery. They did not know that Jesus had left it. Satan appeared to be by the throne trying to carry on the work of God. I saw them look up to the throne and pray, Father, give us thy spirit. Satan would then breathe upon them an unholy influence, and in it there was light and much power, but no sweet love, joy, and peace. Satan's object was to keep them deceived and to draw back and deceive God's children. I saw one after another leave the company who were praying to Jesus in the holiest, go and join those before the throne, and they, now notice, at once received the unholy influence of Satan. I mentioned before some of you came, that's from about first early writings 55 and 56. I mentioned earlier that there are decisions being made today, and it's almost instantly. We're seeing it used to be people would waver between one side or the other, but today those who are turning away either from the sanctuary or I think in this anti-Trinitarian thing, they are making decisions that are immediately, uh, I'm sure some will come back, but many will not. Because we're dealing with the last day's message of justification by faith and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And if you reject the Holy Spirit, if you say there's no Holy Spirit, or if you deny the sanctuary and you, you want to go back to Protestantism, and there's, ever, there's a lot of good in Protestantism. We don't want to put that down. But the light comes from the second apartment today, not from the first. Yes? So praying to Jesus in the holiness, that means the beginning of their experience, they were submitting themselves to Christ in the holiness, realizing where he was at. And then they went back. Yeah. Um, why? The influence of uh, Catholicism? Well, whatever. We don't, we're not told. There are a lot of things that, that took place that would get, you know, would get them, but they, they turned back. So what we have here, uh, the importance of this second apartment ministry, justification by faith in an end-time setting, liberty of conscience, the law of God, and the cleansing of the sanctuary. These are all bound together in the ministry of Christ, the things that are going on on the earth uh, because of his ministry. So the light is shining on these principles coming directly from the throne of God. Now this is what W.W. W. Prescott had to say uh, about, uh, about some of these things. This is from the promise of the Holy Spirit, the, great Con uh, the uh, General Conference Bulletin of 1893. He says, The time will soon be here when it will be practically as unpalatable a truth to tell them, speaking about those who had fallen, uh, the second angel's message, uh, that there is life and salvation only in Jesus Christ, to tell them they do not know anything about justification by faith. Now that is pretty strong meat, I would say. But he goes on. And how shall we tell it unless we know the truth concerning it? I say that it will be just as unpalatable to them to tell them the truth that truth as to tell them uh, about accepting tradition connected with that. There's, I'm trying to fill in here. 
uh, receiving the mark of the beast. So the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus will be equally unpalatable to teach in every nation. Perhaps some have thought we have found a new doctrine upon which we shall have clear sailing, and that we can always preach justification by faith, and people will agree with us. It is not so. That is to say, it is not so if the genuine Protestant doctrine of justification by faith is preached, and not the papal doctrine of justification by faith, and that it will be received as a favorable message just as we can preach the papal doctrine of the Sabbath. But if the Protestant, the true Christian doctrine of the Sabbath is taught, and likewise the true Christian doctrine of justification by faith is taught, the time is near, near at hand, when one will be just as unpalatable as the other, and both will, uh, will meet with the same opposition. And yet we are told that we have a message that we are not to cringe to declare, and we are not to beg the pardon of the people for telling them the truth. So that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yes. Um, go ahead and make your point, whatever you're going to tie it up with. I've got a question. In there. That, that's all right. I can tie it. Yeah. Well, um, I, I keep hearing um, justification by faith and then we're just uh, righteousness by faith. Yeah. What's the difference? Same thing, yeah. It's the the word righteousness comes, or justification comes from righteousness. Uh, there are some um, translations will even translate. Huh? So there's usually a different variation in the words. Like yeah, that, that's the true. Same, it's yeah. The same word. yeah, it has the same meaning. It's, we need to remember that uh, justification comes from the righteousness of God. It comes. It came from the Father to the Son and to us. But it comes to us in. We can either say we're righteous by faith or we're justified by faith. Either, either one, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Some want to split, split, split hairs on it. Um, we were discussing a little bit yesterday that there are some who say that when you're talking about justification or even righteousness by faith, that it's only a de- declaration, but it doesn't make any change in us. That it's a declaration from the Father to put us in good standing. And I'm sure that that's exactly what it means but it also means that there's going to, it's going to change us. Whenever you say by faith, that's an action of the mind. <laughs> and that happens uh, internally, yes. Well, one of the things I, I was thinking it through just today, and I'm trying to figure that out, and that <laughs> I was thinking that this justification by faith, I know that we use it interchangeably yeah. uh, a lot of times, but it's representing um, the justification because of Christ's Atonement. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yes. But the right our righteousness by faith is referring mostly to our interaction to that and yeah. Christ and our change the change in in our behavior becomes as though we are righteous. Yeah, okay. And this would be sanctification. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. like one is justification and sanctification. Yeah. One's yeah. Legal, yeah. One the, is no no problem with it. Yeah. My they are both of grace. Yeah, exactly. And both Christ is both our justification and he is our sanctification. <laughs> he is our redemption. Yeah, it's embodied in Christ. Yes? The way I understand it, it was presented to me was that when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we put on his righteousness. And when we put on his righteousness, the Father sees us and we are justified with the Father because we are wearing Christ's righteousness. And then yeah. the rest of our life that we 
continue to grow in our relationship with God right. and what sanctification is. Yeah, okay, and that's, that's a growth process, but that's up and down. Justification is still there. Do you remember that umbrella uh, that I showed? <clears throat> when sanctification is progressive, justification does not change. It's the same justification, but that it covers sanctification. So that if we fall, we don't need to panic. And many people think, well, if you, if you fall, then you're lost. That's not the case at all. Uh, That's forgiveness. Uh, yeah, the, uh, there is a, it can be if a person is, is fighting God. But the reason, I, the point here with uh, Prescott, coming back to that, <clears throat> that he saw clearly that the message that was being proclaimed at that time, this is the 1890s, that it was different from what the Protestants were teaching. Yes. And some within Adventism. And, uh, and that's why he said it's, it's going to be it's going to be a fight over that as well as the Sabbath, because the Sabbath and justification by faith are on the same track. Uh, the Sabbath is a sign of justification by faith. And, it's, uh, and I remember talking to a he was a Presbyterian minister. We were really good friends, and <clears throat> at that time they were going through struggles that finally led to homosexuality among the preachers. And I remember him telling me one time, he said, Jerry, well, he was going into a, a meeting. He said, I wish you could go with me because <laughs> we were on the same, uh, same <clears throat> page on some of these things. The difference we talked about was uh, Sabbath and Sunday. <clears throat> and uh, um, <laughs> we never came to an agreement, of course, on that. But he kept inviting me to his church to worship you know, with him. And I you know, just forgot about it, put it off. You know. But one Sunday morning, early in the morning, God impressed me. I need to go to the Presbyterian Church. <clears throat> so Shirley and I went. We were a little bit late, and I didn't used to like to be uh, late. The deacon, deacon marched us. It was a large church. He got us in the back. He marched us all the way down to the first, first, first row. And the pastor was coming. He's a tall, he was a tall uh, man and um, a, a mustache, kind of a bushy mustache. And he's usually, he usually smiled all the time. And he came out of the, out of the side door, and his old legs were really pumping. <laughs> he, he, turned, he was looking at, smiling, all the congregation, he saw me, he said, oh no. <laughs> he, he said, of all times for the Seventh-day Adventist pastor to be here, it's today. <laughs> and then he said, uh, we've been going through the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be on the fourth one today. I just smiled at him. <laughs> I just smiled at him, you know. And then he said, uh, "He said, you know, um, <clears throat> we're, uh, we're dealing with a Sunday blue law. This was in Pennsylvania. I was on local level, uh, you know, not not a whole lot of support, but I was sticking up for the Jews and the liquor dealers <laughs> were open on Sunday, <laughs> not because they're selling liquor." but because of the principle that the law stated that they could be open. And some of these Christians were trying to shut it down. And his church was involved in that, too. And I kept telling him, I said, you can't. Uh, uh, I said, the Sabbath must be observed by faith alone, not by man's law. You know, that type of thing. And so uh, after that day, uh, he, he, never, he never came closer to me, you know, uh, on those things. But I don't think he's ever forgotten. He told me he got all of his, most of his sermons out of Liberty Magazine and uh, uh, These Times, which is a forerunner of Signs of the Times. And he finally left that, that uh, northern Presbyterians, went to the southern, because they hadn't gone as far as the northern on homosexual issues and that sort of thing. So anyhow, but the, I've used this many times. We need to remember that, uh, that the Sabbath has to do with the liberty of conscience, 
and it can only be uh, it can only be observed by faith. It's a, impossible to observe the Sabbath. Now we can keep Saturday, <laughs> but we cannot keep the Sabbath of the Lord except by faith in Jesus Christ. Sunday, on the other hand, and you've probably heard, oh yeah, you you guys do that old Jewish Sabbath <laughs> legalism, you know. We can turn that around, and this is what I say: the Sabbath is a sign of righteousness by faith alone. Sunday keeping is salvation by man's law alone. <laughs> but I, and I say this now: I said there are honest people in the Sunday keeping churches, many of them, when they see the issues clearly that their experience with Christ is going to match up with the Sabbath. They're going to take one small step out of where they're at and join with God's people. On the other hand, Seventh-day Adventists, who may be Saturday keepers, but they do not know Christ. They do not, you know, that type of thing. It's going to, they're trying to get to heaven by their own works. They're going to take one small step from Saturday to Sunday. It's going to be that simple. It's a heart, it's a heart work that, that we're talking about. Yes? I know that the, those who... Uh, on our Sunday, they, they claim that as Adventists, that we're legalistic. And yeah. We're, and we're doing this uh, self-righteous thing, but it's actually the other way around. Exactly. Because if you look at the example of, of um, <clears throat> in, in Eden, uh, the, the two brothers were sacrificed. Oh, oh uh, uh, yeah. Cain and Abel, yes. And, and uh, Abel... Mm-hmm. Had offered what God had requested. Yes. Yep. And Cain offered what he thought would be good and thought God would still bless it. Right. And so I'm thinking of the those who keep Sunday are doing that same thing. They're, yes. they're doing it to oh, Some, we are yeah. honoring the resurrection. Yes. God uh-huh. asked us to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's self righteous. Yes, and I'm glad you brought it up because that principle that we see in, in uh, just outside of uh, Eden, chapter 4 of Genesis, that principle between these two brothers is right with us today. And it will be, the, this whole idea of the death decree and all that, that's Cain and Abel <laughs> being played out on a, on a global scale. Yes? Spending time with God is... Yeah. I mean, that is the seal. That is why. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a seal of righteousness by faith in Christ alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, and we may get into some of that later. I don't know that we. We may not have time for all of it. I don't know. Well, like you mentioned there, this is going on in the mind. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our minds. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <clears throat> Sabbath observance is a matter of liberty of conscience. The essence of justification by faith is liberty of conscience. Justification by faith and the Sabbath reveal liberty of conscience. And I'm going to go back into uh, the Reformation. Um, Luther said that liberty of conscience is the essence of justification by faith. Um, And he said that this is the most important part of justification by faith. He said, let there be no compulsion... I have been laboring for liberty of conscience. Liberty is the very essence of faith. Tremendous. Now, Ellen White quotes that. This is from uh, Daubigny. He was a French historian, uh, Protestant. And uh, she quoted Luther on this from uh, Daubigny four times. Uh, You'll find it in uh, 
1883, 1884, 1888, and 1911. Um, and uh, she, she, as far as I can tell, she never wavered from that. From Protestantism, liberty of conscience spread to civil governments. And we're, we're going to develop that a little bit today and then later. In Lincoln's opening sentence of his 1863 Gettysburg Address, he referred to the Declaration of Independence. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that all men are created equal. So there are three, three documents of liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. They're all dealing with liberty of conscience because these men and women had come from Europe either under uh, control of the king and the Church of England, which was joined, or Rome that was still struggling for uh, domination in, uh, in Europe. And the pilgrims that came, came for liberty of conscience sake, to worship God according to the dictates of conscience. Now they stumbled after they got here, and we'll get into some of that also later, but uh, these three documents, the Declaration, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all dealing with that, with that same principle. And uh, we, we're going to maybe look at it more closely later on, but uh, still laying a foundation from yesterday. <laughs> so <clears throat> the, the founding fathers declared as a self-evident truth that all men are created equal and that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are man's unalienable rights. And this is what they said in the second paragraph of the second sentence. Uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. It's not top should not be top down. We see it today, top down. Doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. <laughs> uh, it's uh, that's what's happening. Um, it should be from the bottom up, should be boiling up from the bottom, but it's, it's no longer there. There are many people today, you know, since 911, uh, there were Christians who said they would rather have safety, assurance of their, not of salvation, security. security from the government rather than liberty of conscience. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And we're seeing that playing out uh, today in, uh, in, in America. So anyhow, number one, life. Liberty, which includes uh, conscience, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, it says the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't say happiness. <laughs> We're not going to be happy by uh, pursuing happy. We can pursue it, but we, we do it uh, uh, trying to be a blessing to others, uh, or whatever. And it will come. Happiness will come as we're, we do this sort of thing. But we need to remember, before this pursuit of happiness, there must be liberty. If there's no liberty, you cannot pursue happiness. We see that in communist countries or in other places. People are bogged down and they're not happy. Now, before there's liberty, there must be life. Uh, if, we're, if we're not alive, <laughs> we're not going to have the others at all. And before liberty, there must be justification. And this is biblical. Let's go to Romans 5.18. Through one man's righteous act, the free gift... And that's the gift of righteousness from verse 17. 
came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Whether the men that were writing the Declaration of Independence, whether they knew it or not, that document is based solidly on justification by faith. And I've got studies in this from the time of the Reformation. Every nation that accepted the, the gospel of, that the Reformers proclaimed became free. <laughs> Their people, first liberty of conscience, and then, uh, then it spread free, market, uh, free marketing, um, economics, all of this came from the Reformation teaching of justification by faith and liberty of conscience. And maybe we'll get into some of that next time. But it, it's based on justification uh, in, in Christ alone. Life is the very essence of justification. Liberty is the very essence of justification. The pursuit of happiness is the very essence of justification. They all come out of that. So Luther... He taught justification by faith and liberty of conscience. And this was embodied in the Constitution. And Seventh-day Adventists were raised up specifically in the end-time setting, the light coming from the second apartment of the sanctuary to present justification by faith in that setting, liberty of conscience, as Luther did, but also uh, the pursuit of happiness and uh, uh, more, you know, more of, of what's going. That light is coming now from the second apartment, not from the first one. And uh, the Declaration of Independence: Life, Liberty, and Pursuit of Happiness. <clears throat> the Lord chose the United States to establish Adventism. Had there not been, uh, we we could not have survived in any other climate than a place like this. Now we're coming back to a time when even here we'll be on dangerous ground because America will become uh, Babylon. And thought um, came to my mind while you were talking about this. If justification and uh, led to liberty, liberty. <laughs> and the presenting of justification, there was a kind of persecution in there. Yes. Liberty actually. So this oh yeah. Of justification caused persecution and ultimately liberty. Absolutely. And that would also have to follow true in the second apartment as well, right? Yes. The presentation of yep. justification, persecution, and finally liberty. Yep. But yes. Liberty, liberty. Yes. Exactly. Well, there'll be liberty of conscience first. Yes. And by the way, uh, our our religious freedom can be taken from us, but liberty of conscience cannot be. It has to be surrendered. And that's where the struggle will be. Uh, we may, you know, well, Revelation 13, can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. <laughs> that's dealing with conscience. Uh, if your life depends on your food that you get from the government or even your own work, in that time we're not going to be, God is going to have to supply it. And uh, we will live by faith during that time also. But the issue, I think I read W.W. Uh, Prescott where he said that the teaching of justification by faith as well as the Sabbath, will be unpalatable in every nation. <laughs> and this is what happened <clears throat> after the Reformation. Now, Luther himself backed away from liberty of conscience. He did it when, uh, you remember when the peasants revolted? And uh, you have uh, the others that were, some were brought up, brought up baptism by immersion and that type of thing, and he, he threw, threw it out. And, but when the peasants revolted, he sided with the princes against them. 
And that's why you, you see in the Lutheran movement today, they do not have a liberty of conscience, as, as Luther had proclaimed it. Um, and you, you really, well, Holland, Holland was one. Holland, uh, many, of them, many of the people were driven out of uh, France, the Huguenots. They scattered all over. the Wherever they went, they established freedom of conscience. And wherever they went, they, they prospered, and they prospered whatever nation they were in. doesn't matter which one it was including the United States of America. Several of our presidents came from Huguenot stock. <laughs> I think Gerald Ford was one of the last ones that I know of. Uh, pardon me? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the, uh, uh, but the, the uh, Holland, uh, northern, this is northern Holland. The southern part was Catholic. The, the, the Span, Span, Spain had controlled it, and they were trying to keep it under their control. But many of the people in the South moved to the North, and that's where, uh, they're Protestant. Uh, they start, they became a shipbuilding uh, nation. They became a greater um, carrier of supplies in the world at the time. They, they surpassed England and Portugal and Spain. <laughs> Spain and Portugal turned away from the message of justification by faith. And they went down, uh, down. They've never, they've never recovered. They never will. I believe that France, had she remained faithful, or if she had accepted that message, because France was in much better shape than Germany. Germany was still kind of the backwards, of, uh, backwards of civilization. But it was these people that responded to the gospel of Christ, and God blessed the nation. And then you have people such as uh, go, going to Holland. They blessed that nation. They blessed England, and they blessed the United States of America. And that blessing has gone around the world. And, but it's based on the Protestant principle, it's the biblical principle, of justification by faith in Christ alone. That's where it comes from. And we, we may get into some of that a little later also. So, um, America and Adventism. As I mentioned earlier, you have the Declaration of Independence, 1776, 1789, the Constitution, 91, the Bill of Rights, and then 1844, the three angels' messages. This nation was established for these concepts to go to the world. And it has happened. Sometimes in spite of, of our laws. Uh, some of the stuff that goes on should not, should not go on. But every free nation has accepted democratic, republican. I'm not talking about uh, neither Democrats or Republican, but the concepts of the separation of church and state uh, freedom of conscience. And every nation that has accepted that has been truly free and has prospered. Those who have, there's some that have, are very wealthy today, papacy number one, but he's trying to reach into our pockets <laughs> for more money. The devil's after every one of those. There's no doubt about it. These things, in fact, we've got, um, uh, there's a, the Constitution, uh, presidents who have been against the Constitution, uh, Woodward, Woodward, Woodrow Wilson was one of them. He hated the Constitution. He, he, he spoke against it publicly. He, he had, before he went into the White House, there were blacks who were serving in the government administratively. He ran them all out. I tell you. And every president since him, well, you need to go back one more. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican. Wilson was a, a Democrat. They both believed that the president should have more power 
And every president since that time has gathered to himself more power. Uh, FD, uh, FDR uh, Roosevelt, um, he, he knew he was breaking the law. He was trying to enact laws that the Constitution slapped him down with that. And then he got mad and he put in his own people who believed exactly like he did in, <laughs> into the Supreme Court. <laughs> and, huh? Get his to get out. They, I don't think they finally did, uh, full, you know, fully. But but he made he made the uh, the beginning. And so now you've got uh, Trump has just elected ultra conservatives. Executive branch against the, what? Uh, against that, it looks like they're trying to divide the executive branch from the Congress to the. Well, they should be divided. They should be divided. Uh, they they're all three should be sovereign in their uh, in oh, their operation. Yeah. But what's happened? Yeah. The one who's doing nothing today is the legislative branch. They're, they're not legislating. Not at all. <clears throat> We're being legislated by, by the Supreme Court and by the, uh, by the president. Uh, and this has been going on uh, for, for many years. Uh, and uh, whether it's going to be turned around or uh, I don't know. We'll have to watch what Trump does with this. He claims that he wants to go back well, to the Constitution. It's a, it's a thing to knock the Constitution <clears throat> right off and there goes yeah. When, and we're told by Ellen White, every principle of the Constitution will be repudiated, but it will come from the people themselves. There may be a top-down trying to do it, but it will, when the people vote these things, these changes, then we're going to be in trouble. Then we're going to learn to live by faith alone. Well, you think they're trying to convince the people's minds to go ahead and do this? Well, some are, but what what we see is the centralization of power. It doesn't matter what what party is in. They want to be top dog, and they want to tell other people what to do. And it's um, we're, we're in dire straits, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, there's, there's always several circumstances that seem to challenge the way the Constitution is written. Uh, yes. And, and so people are saying, you know, thinking, is this working? But yes. I mean, it does, but then... But there's always there's always those uh, borderline uh, issues that seem yes. to really make it difficult. <clears throat> That's right. It's uh, yeah, uh, one, well, in a way, yeah. You know. But remember, again, that did not come from the people. It did not come from the legislature. It came from the Supreme Court. They're the ones that made the decision. They are ruling from the supreme benches. They should be interpreting only the Constitution. But they are legislating from the bench. And this, this was not the way it was intended. Uh, and there should be conflict before, between the three of them. Because it, when, in that conflict, you, and I'm talking about a good conflict, of each one keeps its pro- proper place. But we find them juggling for, uh, for supremacy. And that's, uh, that's not, yes. God's got to let all this stuff, Christ said, all these things have to be fulfilled before he come. So yeah. all of these men changing rules and laws and taking this down, that down. God said, don't worry about that. Just trust in me. And I will yeah. help you get through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we have to trust in God. There, there's no doubt about that. But we have been in the world over 200 years, longer than we should have. At least 100 years. God sent a message. Justification by faith was central to it. Liberty of conscience was, was there. In the 1880s, there were Sunday laws. They were trying to pass, well, there were Sunday laws on the, on the states, but not a federal law. 
that one started coming in 1888. And God sent a man, A.T. Jones, to defeat that law on the federal level. Um, and the only reason that God hasn't come is not because of the conditions in the world. It's the conditions of us, yeah. the church. Once the church is brought into full harmony with God, then everything's going to break loose and the, and the Lord will come. But he's not, he's not going to run, run in advance uh, of his program. He's, it's getting worse and worse. So yeah. we, we it's going to get so bad that we, we're going to agonize with God <laughs> to end it. We're too close to sin. We don't always see the sinfulness of sin. But the closer we come to Jesus, we will see the sinfulness in our lives, but also generally. And at that time, we'll be on our knees saying, God, save me from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so here, the, uh, the Constitution, or the, this is a declaration. By the way, I looked at the ages of, uh, of the people who signed the Constitution. I think the oldest one is 46. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not. No, they were. Uh, Jefferson was in his twenties when he wrote the Declaration. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, these people were brilliant. Yes. I just, just a few, a couple of months ago, I heard that the Catholic priest has sent out the message to ban all sports on Sunday. I've heard something about that. I haven't seen the details I've of it. I've seen yeah. it several times on the news. Yeah. And that's going to be the beginning yeah. of who knows what. Yeah. I, because they're, they're if, saying no sports and yeah. nothing because they want everybody to go to church. On yeah. You know, this happened in the early, the, early, uh, the early church. They started by shutting down sports. Mm -hmm. The next was uh, farming. Yes. And people, and then we shut everything down. Then the people still didn't want to go to church, so they went fishing. So they, yeah. <laughs> they started forcing people to go to yes. church. Yes. And we'll, some of those same principles will will operate uh, uh, today again. Yeah. Like but a lot of internal problems themselves. Oh yeah, the Lord is allowing yeah, these things to happen. That. Give us time. But uh, when it comes from the Pope, it'll be law. But if it comes only yes. from a priest or a bishop, yeah, then it's not. Was, uh, um, Anyhow, let, we better close with this. And, uh, well, two, two more. Several have written to me. We looked at this yesterday. Inquiring if the message of justification by faith is the third angel's message. And I have answered, it is the third angel's message in verity. And then this one. God's people will be brought into close combat with the beast and his image. But it's going to be over justification by faith, liberty of conscience, the Sabbath will be the focal point, but the, the other principles will be involved in this. Shall we pray? Gracious Father, we, co we come to you again with thankfulness. Thankful that you've given us principles that we can study, go by from the Bible and spirit of prophecy. Ask that you'll keep us. May our eyes, our thoughts be on you. And may we see what's happening in the world from that viewpoint, from the light that shines from that second apartment. In Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.